Thanks, Mom. Um, so I, I want to talk to you and start talking to you today about this thought of do we celebrate? And why do we celebrate? And what makes us celebrate? And so to get you kind of in the spirit, I've got to talk to you about this place in Indiana called Upland. And Upland, Indiana is this Christian school. At this Christian school, it's called Taylor University. At Taylor University, they offer high academics, excellence in ethics, and a really competitive athletic field. But see, Taylor isn't known because its football team is the most winning, nor their baseball team has hit more home runs than anybody else. What they're known for is what happens in December of every year. In December of every year, right before finals, Upland, in Upland, Indiana, Taylor University always schedules a basketball game. And at that basketball game, all of the student body shows up, dressed up. They wear costumes, and I know it's, it's close to Christmas, but they, they wear their Halloween costumes, their faces are painted. I mean, they're wearing the big banana costumes. Whatever they got, they show up, and so does the faculty. And they pack out this arena. You see, it started way back in the day. Uh, an assistant coach was noticing that fewer and fewer people were attending the basketball games at Taylor University, and it bothered him. And so he said, what are we going to do about it? So they decided what they would do is that they would give an incentive, find one game a year where anybody could do anything they wanted. So they all showed up dressed in their Halloween best at Christmas. The, the chancellor of the school decided that every year at this time he would also have a pajama Christmas party. And he would read them the Christmas story sitting around the fire. They packed that out too. But at this night, as the basketball game is being played, all the students pack it in. There isn't a seat available. And what happens is, as you would think if you've been to a basketball game like Kansas, rocking the chalk Jayhawks, um, it's loud, right? Some of you guys have been around and been at loud basketball games. But here, it's quiet. You see, all the students pack in, but they don't say a word. In fact, as they're walking in, they don't talk. Complete silence. So in the pregame, as the coach is talking, everybody can hear what he says. Every basketball dribble, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Every whistle, every conversation, I'm open, I'm open, here, here. You hear it all, because it's so deathly quiet about like this. That is, until the tenth point is scored. You see, they wait, and when the first basket shot and two points go up, they do this. And then four points. Six. The basketball players say it's eerie. There's all these people there, but nothing's being said. But then the tenth point happens. And they all go crazy. In fact, they have to call a timeout because the student body and the faculty rush the court. And they stand in the middle and they cheer and they throw out their fists and they celebrate. And then they go back to the sidelines and they sway and sing Silent Night for the rest of the game. Kind of wondered, though, if they haven't caught something that we haven't. This year, as we celebrate as a church, we need to identify that Jesus has already scored the 10th point. 
and that we in the church should be the people that go absolutely crazy for him. That means this. I'm going to give you a challenge to begin with at the very start. This year, when someone mentions Jesus' name around you, I want you to be like Buddy the Elf. Y'all remember Buddy the Elf? He's in the mall. They say Santa's coming, and he goes, Santa, I know him. What if that happened next time you were at the Applebee's? Someone said, oh, Jesus. And you go, I know him. Yes. Yes. I know that guy. I think that'd be like, wow, they need to be asked to leave. But I'm convinced of this, that we at the church have forgotten how to have a good time. Somewhere along the way, we decide that when we come into the worship services, that we need to sit on our hands. And occasionally, if we want to raise our hands in worship, we got to do it like this, like jazz hands. Jesus. I believe that he's worth more than that. I believe that he didn't just die on the cross. I believe he rose again. And I believe because of that, today, you and I can live a fulfilled life where we celebrate him in every circumstance, just like Paul says. Whether it's good or it's bad, or like Ecclesiastes, that there's a season for everything, but in every season, we are to have one central focus, and that is on our Lord and Savior. So today, as we launch this year of celebration, I don't believe it's going to be an easy year. Nor do I believe that everything's just going to be peachy. Nor do I believe that your bank account's going to be full of money. If it is, we're going to pass the offering plate again at the end of service. You should go ahead and empty it. Um, but I do believe is this. I believe that in every situation, because you have a family here at the church, someone will celebrate that season with you. I want our church to be a place where you want to get married. That when you show up to get married at Quell Creek, you go, man, if you go to get married there, it's awesome. Those people like to have a good time. I also believe this, and, and this may sound crazy to you, but hear me out. I believe this is the place where when you go to meet Jesus, where you want your funeral. Uh, Dylan and I made an agreement a long time ago. We're done with boring funerals. Some of y'all that have been to a funeral in the last couple of years are like, yeah, we've been there and seen that. Because we believe it's a celebration. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we don't come in here and go, dearly beloved, the departed has gone. No, we're going to celebrate because we believe that person's in the presence of Jesus and they're already celebrating. Let's just join their party. We believe this is the place where you want things to happen, that you want to give your life to Christ, that you want to be baptized, where you want to be involved, where you want to clean out six tons of garbage. We believe it's a place that's exciting and the only way it gets to that point is we quit believing we're at the eighth point. We start to celebrate the 10th. Today marks a year of celebration. So I'm going to give you a hashtag. Some of you are like, a what? Not a trash bag, a hashtag. A hashtag, you ready? Go ahead and grab your pen or your pencil. Borrow one from somebody. If you got lipstick, you can get that out of your purse and, and hand it to your wife and she'll put it on hers. Um, here it is, the hashtag, you ready? Hashtag. QC celebrates. See it? Hashtag QC celebrates. This is what I'm asking you to do. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you do with hashtags. 
It belongs in a trash bag, right? Um, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But here's what I'm asking you to do. We have 51 weeks left in this year. 51 weeks. So that means this. Over the next 51, I'm asking you to do me a favor. I'm asking that you and your family celebrate something once a week. So that means this. You're in Walmart, and you walk straight up to the checker. I'm going to ask you to get your phone out and be like, hey, so this never happens because you usually have to wait in line. But, uh, I mean, I walk straight up. There is no one in line. Take a picture with me. Click just like that. And take a picture of that checker, and then instantly hashtag QC celebrates, walk straight up to the checker at Walmart. That's where celebrating somebody in your life is going to go, you got to be kidding me. You walk straight up to the checker, you're like, yeah, and they're going to be like, that is awesome. Maybe it's somebody's birthday. Maybe you show up and your drink at that particular place is half price, like Sonic or something, because you made it at the right time. It may be small in celebration, it may be big in celebration, but I'm asking you to celebrate with us. This is a year of celebration. Here's what's going to happen. If you don't have a hashtag, you don't know how to do that, I'm asking you to take a picture. Bring it to the church once a week. Write it on a piece of paper. Tell us what happened. Hey, this week, um, all the squirrels died in my attic. Because Dell came over. Um, with a shovel. Anyways, um... He's got a side business if y'all just need him. Uh, that, I didn't mean to say that. It just came up in my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's their fault. It's around grandbabies. It's a long story. Anyways, but celebrate with us every week on the screen. Before I preach, we're going to celebrate someone. So if you put a picture, that's why I'm asking for a picture. We're going to put it on the screen, one person each week, and everybody's at the end of the month. We're going to do like the Facebook thing where the Photos show up in a cool, like, boom, 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 boom. Thank you. Um, that, that was like the widest rap ever, wasn't it? It was the widest beatbox. Boom, chicka, boom, boom, You know, I, I don't know what just happened. I was inspired. I'm going to record that, though. It's going to sell somewhere. Holland. It's on Holland or Germany. That's the like, okay, I could go on, but I won't. Um. But I'm asking you to, to join with us in celebrating. We want to celebrate with you, so let us celebrate with you. And every week we'll celebrate with you as a church. Here's what we believe is going to happen. There's going to be some weeks that you don't have anything to celebrate about. There's going to be some weeks that are really bad. We want to celebrate with you, though. So find the good. Maybe the good that week is just going to be, this has been a really bad week, but I opened the Bible and I read this, and that's worth celebrating. Take a picture, hashtag it, bring it to us on a piece of paper with a picture, and let us celebrate with you. Because we don't believe that the church celebrates just because it's always a time to have a smile on our face. We believe we celebrate because we serve a God that waits for us anxiously. Whether he comes back in the next few minutes, oh Lord, come. Or if one day our last breath happens and we see him face to face that way. Either way, he's worth celebrating. So let us celebrate with you. And here's the last thing, and then we'll get right to scripture. Out in the foyer over here are these cups. They have the new church logo, which we're excited about. Uh, you'll see this more and more as the year goes on. It's on our shirts and it's on the cup. And the other side says, celebrate. This cup, I want you to take one of these for every person in your family. 
Not like your grandma that lives in Detroit, but like one person for everybody in your family at the house. Does your grandma live in Detroit? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> tell her to come to church here. Anyways, um, but I'm asking you to take one of these. They're good cups, but I want you to see it at your house, to remember to celebrate this year and to allow us to celebrate with you because we believe your lives we're celebrating. We believe that every number has a name. And while we may count every Sunday who's in what classes or how many's in the sanctuary, you're, you're a name, and your name has a story. And your story not only matters to our church, but it matters to God. And because of that, we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate times like today at the end of service where one of our brothers, Mr. George, is going to come and get baptized. And how much we love that man, and he is our friend and our brother, and we can't wait to do that at the end of service. We want to celebrate because we believe that a lost world doesn't know what it means to have joy and what it looks like when our faces agree with our souls. So this year, we get to celebrate. So open your Bible with me to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Oh, 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 yeah, it, whoa. There we go. Thank God's a path. Thank God Kyle's a pastor and not a dancer. Have you Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Woo. I'd have been Pentecostal. Anyways, um, Psalm 68. Y'all with me? David writes in the midst of this. This is, Psalm 68 is right in the midst of battle. Psalm 68 is not written from like this really sweet place where like, David's chilling out in the, in the king's palace. He is in the midst of turmoil in the midst of Psalm 68. And so in Psalm 68, it says this, God arises and his enemies scatter. I mean, I, I want you to hear that again because I don't think y'all got it. Because remember where I said David's at? He's in the midst of what? He's in war. Now, let's not talk war like we think on TV where somebody gets shot and they go, oh, 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 and they live. Um, people are dying around David. David is on the run. Psalm 68 says that God arises and his enemies scatter. Amen to that. I agree with you completely. Let me just read it one more time for you so you catch this. You ready? God arises and his enemies scatter. Yes. You see, because David believed that, that in the midst of his turmoil, in the midst of his, his battles, that if God just arises, the enemies have to run away. And listen to what he says next. And those, who's, uh, those who hate him flee from his presence. That means this. Everybody that doesn't agree with God, when God arises, they have to run away. I had these buddies that own this apartment. And uh, they were in Odessa. And they weren't the cleanest people. But every time we would show up to like hang out at their house to watch a movie or something, they would gather up their garbage and they would throw it out on their balcony and you know, kind of shut the glass door behind it. The, the bad thing about that is this. In their apartments, the other people living around them weren't very clean either. And so if you turned on the light outside, the roaches would scatter. You turned off the light and you'd wait. 
turn on the light, again. It was like lights are off, roaches. Lights are on, roaches run away. Sounds disgusting, right? So are those who are enemies of God and those that do not love and fear him. So when God arises, the lights are turned on and the enemies flee in his presence. You know what it doesn't say in verse 1? When David arises. Let's just identify who David was. King, correct? But before king, what was he? He was a man, he was a warrior. He was a successful warrior. He wasn't even a bad, I mean, he was the best of the best of the best. David was a man's man. He was the kind of guy that when he showed up on the battlefield, you're a dead man if you're on the other side. He didn't play around. And in this moment, he should have said, when I show up, the enemies die. But David realizes where his power came from. And he says, when God arises, the enemies scatter. They, at best, they can be roaches. And listen, it doesn't just end there. And then verse 2 says, And as the smoke is blown away, as you blow them away, as wax melts before the fire, so the wicked are destroyed before God. But the righteous are glad, and they rejoice before God, and they celebrate with joy. This is what it looks like to be where God is behind God doing what he does. We reap the benefits of God on the move. When we were looking at the logo of the church, we decided we wanted something new and fresh. It was time. But we didn't know kind of what we wanted it to look like. And so Scott and I started talking about, you know, how do we make the queue look like still a queue? And, you know, how does it, we want something to be moving and you know, we want something great. So we, we identified this guy right there. And, and we, we looked at what do we want him to look like. And so we, we, we kind of put it on there and we started carrying around the office. I said, what do you think of the new logo? People would go, I like it. What is that? And I'd say, what does it look like to you? And I heard, well, it looks like, like water. I'm like, good, okay. Someone said, it looks like the side of a smiley face. And I was like, cool, okay. Someone said, it looks like someone raising their hands to praise the Lord. And I said, okay. And let me just tell you what I think it is. I think it looks like baptism. I think it looks like what someone looks like when God has completely washed their hearts clean. I believe this looks like the baptism of the Holy Spirit to me. And I believe it looks like someone that's life has changed and on the move. It could be easily to me a, a Stephen coming out of the water with the Ethiopian. It could be easily Jesus rising out of the water as he's been baptized by John. It could easily be you. To me, I believe that a year of celebration means that we start to get where God is going and we let him lead. Because what happens is nothing short of worthy of celebration. So let's just look together about what Psalm 68, the first three verses are saying to us today. Let me just give you the first thing. I believe this. Number one, that Christians should be the crowd that knows how to celebrate. We should be the crowd that knows how to celebrate. The sad part about it is, when you think of a party, do you think of church? When you think of a party, do you think of church? No, none of us do. What do we think of? We think of alcoholism. We think of the worst possible things in the world. Did you know that we as Christians should show the world what it looks like to have fun and engage and to enjoy life? 
The sad part about it is we want the Christian life to look better than the beer commercials look on TV, don't we? That, you know, people get together and they're celebrating each other and they're hugging each other and they all have ripped abs. I don't think, man, if that's how this works, we've all missed it. Um, Maybe our high school guys, but, you know, it's not going to last. Anyways, but... But, I mean, we, we want to teach people how we celebrate, but it doesn't have to come at the end of destruction, does it? Celebrating doesn't have to look like destruction. Celebrating should look like a start up to what heaven will be, an ultimate celebration of who God is. Why is it that we live as though God is dead and the world lives as though God is alive? Shouldn't it be just the opposite? Shouldn't we redeem our culture? Shouldn't we show them that when you walk in the walls of the church, the party begins? That when you walk into this room as a joint body of believers together, the reason we can celebrate, the reason we can sing, the reason we can raise our hands is because we have a Savior who has risen, and He is guiding our lives. He shows us how to celebrate because He's already won the tenth point. I'm telling you, this is where the church has got to rise up. I feel like we're just believers in the very first quarter with two points on the board going, well, I'll celebrate when Jesus comes back. And he's like, really? Because I gave you the Holy Spirit. So if you don't want to celebrate, believe me, heaven's going to be terrible for us. Can I just tell you, if current earth celebration of Jesus is hard and terrible now, just wait. Let me just tell you, I believe that heaven is going to be great, but God gives us now to start the practice. That's why we sing. That's why we open the word. That's why we pray is because the practice begins now. We don't have to wait to worship our Lord continuously. We don't have to wait to pray to him all all times. We get the now. We get to do that now. And God forbid that we as Christians start to live like we really believe it. You see, David in the midst of battle just says, God arises and the enemies scatter. I want you to just paint a mental picture of that for just a second. All these enemies are up close, and then the light is turned on. God arises. You're standing behind him, and God arises, and his enemies scatter. What do you think the next process would have been for the battle? Do you think they'd have gone, well, that was really sweet, God. Way to rise up. <laughs> or do you think they got kind of pumped a little bit? They said, the enemies are on the run. You are awesome, God. I mean, you just stood up and they went, ooh, no, 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 no. We're done. Y'all win, time out, white flag. France. Anyways, um, don't you see it? Don't you feel it that when God arises and the enemies scatter, that we begin to stand back and go, it's because of what God can do that we can celebrate? Because just God arising, the enemies scatter. I looked at what Webster said it meant to celebrate. He says to to, to observe a noble occasion with festivities. A noble occasion with festivities. That's the best that Webster could do. Can I just give you a definition? Write this on the side. When God arises, so does the church. When God arises, so does the church. When God's volume is turned up, so does the church. Or it's not his church. If a movement of God does not move our hearts, we are not his. 
And let me just tell you, you're either his or you're what? You're not. So you're either celebrating who God is or you're scattering. Those are the two, two moments that we see in this scripture. You're either a scatterer or you're a celebrator. And how do we know that? Well, let's keep going. When trials come, and the enemy is surrounded, when trials come, God arises. I've heard people say, well, Kyle, I've gone through a time in my life where I didn't feel God arise on my behalf. In fact, it felt terrible. I felt alone. Man, I, let me just tell you right now, I've been there with you. When something happens and you feel like you're standing on an island by yourself. And my great-grandmother had that, you know, feet in the sand thing in her back room, you know, in the, and we would always walk up and say, and there I carried you. And so that was like scripture, like, like that Psalms 18.8, you know, where you missed the two set of feet, I carried thy. You're like, oh, that's awesome, that's got to be it. Let me just tell you what happens when you're island. You've told God, I don't want to walk with you. And so any footprints you see when you're on an island means you've left his side. The greatness of God is this. Though you wander, he is still intimately close. He's still so close and intimate. I remember one time we were walking through uh, one of the corn mazes with my children. And I let them get several steps in front of me. I could still see them, but they couldn't really see me. And as they turned the corner, they kind of stopped. And they went, Dad? And I didn't do what I really wanted to do and go, just figure it out. I went, Yes. And I said, where are you? And I said, on the other side of the corn from you? Like, I can't see you. And I said something that God spoke to me that day. I said to them, but I can see you. That's God. In the midst of the maze that we feel like we're on, when we turn a corner that we feel isolated, we feel like we're completely alone. God has us in eyesight. He is within earshot. He is intimately close on our islands. And he waits for that question, God, where are you? And he always responds back, right here. I can see you. I'm close. And in those seasons as we go through the turbulent times, I, I believe that God is still crying out, ask me to arise. Ask me to show up. Watch what happens. Here's the next thing. Had my kids gone around the corner and called out to their dad, Dad, where are you? And I said, I'm right here. And they said, there's a snake. Can I just tell you what would have happened to the corn between us? Now, I, I've told you before, I'm not a fan of snakes. I don't like them. That's what happened to cats when they disobeyed God in the garden and convinced Eve to eat the fruit. They became snakes. But just theological statements, I'm just... They didn't walk in climbing on their tummies. That was the curse. See how they're similar? You'll talk to a snake and be like, oh, you're so cute, and they bite you, so does a cat. Anyways, <laughs> but had my kids said, Dad, there's a snake, it wouldn't have mattered how much corn was between us. I would have knocked every single one of those babies down getting to my kids. It wouldn't have mattered what was in my way. No obstacle would be too big to get to my children. Why do we think that God wouldn't do the same in our lives? Why do you not think that God could take down every barrier that you've ever seen in your life between you and him? 
It is a question that must be asked. God, where are you? I can't see you. And to let God say, I'm here and I can see you. I believe he wants to be intimately close to us. The only thing that's wrong is along the path we tend to take the lead instead of letting him lead out. Because when God arises, the enemies scatter. And we can stand back. And look at what verse 3 says. But the righteous are glad. They rejoice before God and celebrate with joy. So I believe that this tells us there's marks of the people of God. How do we know that we are celebration kind of people? Well, there's three things that rise up in verse 3. Number one, gladness. There's a reason that it breaks these down. And let me just tell you the difference here in a second. The first is gladness. The second is joy. And the third is celebration. Let me tell you what the difference is today. Celebration is the outflow of what happens. It's when it overflows so much that you got to do something about it. I don't know if you've ever seen this happen when you've had a sprinkler at the end of a long piece of, of, of hose and you turn it on on this side and you see it move the hose. You seen this? And it moves the hose. And what happens at the end? Does the sprinkler go, nope? What does the sprinkler do? It sprinkles. That's, that's what it's built to do. So are you. You were built to celebrate God. You were built to do it. And he's cranked up the pressure. And he's allowing you to be filled so that you will do what God created you to do. And that is overflow for him. We are not to be defeated people. You are not meant to be a wounded soldier. You are meant to be a victorious person who follows after a victorious God. You are created to celebrate him. So if that's the outflow, what happens between? The next is this, joy. What is joy? Joy is a fruit of what? The Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a fruit. So joy can't be produced. It has to be built into you. That means this, if you don't have Christ in your life, there is no possible way in this world you can possess joy. It's an impossibility. Only God can produce joy in people. Now, here's what joy isn't. Joy is not celebration. Because joy goes through the trials and stays joy. Any more than patience through trials remains patience. You know how we know that? Because it's a fruit. It is a fruit that is built out of you by the work of the Holy Spirit. It'll remain whether you are great or bad, because the Spirit is the Spirit. He's producing that in you, not you producing that in you. It's an impossibility outside of the work of the Holy Spirit to produce any fruit that is His. And so joy is a fruit. So we started with celebration going backwards. Celebration is the outflow. It is the sprinkler effect. Joy is a producible. And so we go back to the very first verse. But the righteous are glad. I believe glad's the initial response to God. Let me tell you what that looks like. You ever been so deep in water that you can't take a breath? And you swim up to the top just as you get rid of that last bit of oxygen in your lungs. And you come up out of the water, and what do you do? Amen to that. Y'all are so good. <gasps> That's gladness. Glad is the ability to take a breath when there was nothing to be had. Gladness and faith is a realization that without a Jesus, there is no way you could get to God. Gladness is that first breath after realizing who God is. So when God arises in the midst of trials and 
and tribulation and hurt, we start to realize that when God arises, we take a breath. And we go, wow, God, I'm experiencing what you're trying to help me experience in my life through joy. And then we don't just go, that was neat. Yay, Lord. We celebrate. We become people that when others walk by, they go, I don't know what's in their life, but I want some. I want whatever they've got of who Jesus is. And so I'm going to ask you this year to not be a dead Christian, to bring that to the altar and lay it here and bury it, but to walk out of this room and into your world and into your jobs and into your schools and bring the alive Jesus with you. And as you're approached by people who don't know our Jesus, you simply say, I know him. I know him. He is mine. Jesus is mine. So as we see that, here's the final challenge. To be a celebration kind of church, we need to do three things. The first is that we look back. We remember where we came from. We have such a huge legacy that's been laid uh, down and, and for us in this church. Great men and women who gave blood, sweat, and tears to make sure that the kingdom of God was moved through a church like Quell Creek. The next is we pray forward. We ask that God does the amazing this year. We ask that God does the unthinkable this year. And I told you last week, and I'm, I'm laying that challenge out today, for the next 30 days I'm asking you to join me every day in prayer. I'm asking you to find a time and a place that you're going to pray and ask God to not only speak to our church and to move our church in an amazing way, but move your heart as well. And during that 30 days, find three days, three days where you will fast. Now, I want to encourage you to do something. When I said fasting last week, I had so many people text and call me and say, what are you talking about? Would you text me or call me this week? Let me connect with you and talk to you more intimately about what fasting is. And, and how to practice that in a biblical mandate for fasting. But I'm asking you, 30 days of prayer, three days of fasting. You pick those three days, you make them set apart, and you give your time and your life and your effort to God in that day to take away everything else but prayer and consideration for Him. So not only are we going to look back, not only are we going to pray forward, but we're going to celebrate now. We're going to celebrate now. I believe at the end of this next year, our church will be radically changed by what God has done. I believe this time next year, we're going to get to look back and say, only God could do that. I believe this next year, we're going to see God move in such an amazing way that our baptismal is going to get so worn out, we're going to have to do something about it. I believe this next year that your life group that you attend is about to get radically changed forever. I believe people are going to show up that we don't know today. I believe next year, there's going to be new faces in here that we've never seen before. I believe that this year, families are going to be changed, that marriages are going to be healed, that families are going to be made stronger, and that at the end of this year, your prayer life and your walk with the Lord is going to be stronger than it's ever been. But see, I don't just believe that for then. I believe it today. So I don't just have to look back. I don't just have to pray it forward, although I'm doing that. I get to celebrate now what I believe God is going to do. Because I believe our God is big enough. I believe our God is strong enough. And I believe he is victorious enough that if we will pray that he would just arise, the rest is made simple.
So let me just ask you, are you ready to celebrate God in this year? That is so weak. I mean, that, that was like six points. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that'd be nice. I mean, are we smooth jazzing it today? Is that, is that where we are? We're just like, and that was smooth jazz, Radio 96.8. Celebrate. Let me ask you one more time. Let me just build it up for you one more time. We serve a risen Savior who didn't just go away, but he sent the Holy Spirit so that today you and I could live a celebration kind of life in a pursuit of a holy God that allows you opportunity because of Jesus today to not only know him as Savior, but to live victorious through him. Are you ready to celebrate today? then you know what to do next. Let's ask him to change us today. Let's ask him to radically change us starting today, and let's not let him ever let us off the hook of celebrating who he is this year. So we're going to offer an invitation. During the invitation, let me just tell you what's going to happen. Same thing we've always seen. People are about to move as I pray. The guys are going to be down here. We're going to be here to pray with you. Can I just ask you today to bypass us. Bypass us completely and hit the altar today. And get down on your knees before a holy God and say, today I lay to death the old me for the sake of the celebration kind of me. Because I believe you are big enough, I believe you're strong enough, and I believe you're victorious enough that if you would only arise in me, the enemy would have to leave me alone. Today is a day to hit our knees and pray before a holy God. Let's ask him to do that now. As I pray, stand with me. Heavenly Father, only you can be the one that's celebrated. Not by our strength, not by our might, not by our will. God, you are holy enough, you are strong enough, you're victorious enough today to change our lives forever. And that is worth celebrating every day of our lives. So God, change us radically today excite us today. Make a celebration people starting today and for the rest of our lives. May this not even be a year-long theme. May it be a lifetime theme of people who are called and changed by the name of Jesus forever. So Father, may we put to death today the old us, the, the abused us, the broken us, the laid aside us, the, the island us for the sake of, a, of people who are intimately involved with a victorious God that arises and the enemies have to scatter. So God, arise today. Arise today in power. Arise today in change. Arise today in the healing process. God, we praise you for what you're going to do. You are an amazing God. So thank you, God for being such a victorious and mighty God for us. Lord, may we hit our knees in thanksgiving for a holy God and become a celebration people who are forever changed today because we are simply people who know we cannot do it on our own. We are changed by a holy God who we hold on to today. In the name of Jesus, we pray and for his sake. Amen. You come this morning.